Hello, this is Tushta Krishna Das, and you're listening to ISKCON Denver podcast, where you can hear all of our classes and kirtans. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Jayam Vishnupad Paramahamsa Parivrajakacharya Shtotara Satashishimad, His Divine Grace, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Thakur, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Ananta Koti Vaishnava Vrinda Ki Jai, All Glories to the Assembled Devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories to Shishi Guru and Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. 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 So today. We are reading Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 7, entitled The Sacrifice Performed by Daksha. And today 
We are on text 29. So we will begin with the synonyms. So, Rudra Vacha, Rudra Vacha, Lord Shiva said, Lord Shiva said, Tava, Tava, Tava. Your, Your, Varada, Varada, O Supreme Benefactor, O Supreme Benefactor, Vara Angra, Vara Angra. Precious lotus feet. Precious lotus feet. Ashisha. Ashisha. By desire. By desire. Iha. Iha. In the material world. In the material world. Akila arte. Akila arte. For fulfillment. For fulfillment. Yapi, Yapi, certainly, certainly. Muni bihi, Muni by the sages, by the sages. Asaktai, Asaktai, liberated, liberated. Adarena, Adarena, with care, with care. Arhaniye, Arhaniye, worshipable, worshipable, Yadi, Yadi, if, if, Rachitadhyam, Rachitadhyam, mind fixed, mind fixed, Ma, Ma, me, me, Avidyalokaha, the ignorant persons. The ignorant persons. Apavidham. Apavidham. Unpurified activity. Unpurified activity. Japati. Japati. Utters. Utters. Naganaye. Naganaye. Do not value. Do not value. Tut. Tut. It. It. Twat para anugrahena. Twat para anugrahena. By compassion like yours. By compassion like yours. So it's a little bit of a tongue twister for me, this verse, but Rudra Uvacha. Rudravacha Tava Varada Varangrav Asishe Kilarte Tava Varada Varangrav Asishe Haki Kilarte Yapi Muni Birasakter Adare Nayaniye Yadi Rachitta Diyama Vidyaloka Pavidam 
would anybody like to chant? Rujavacha Rujavacha Tava Varada Varangra Ashishe Akilate Tava Varada Varangra Ashishe Kalarte Yapi Munibir Ashatai Adarena Narhani Yapi Munib Beer Ashakir Adarainer Hanye Yadi Rachita Diam Mavida Loka Pavidam Yadi Rachita Diama Vija Loka Pavidam Japati Naganaeta Tat Panu Paranu Grahena Japati Naganae Tatvat Paduna Grahena Anyone else? So, translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada, Ki Jai. Translation, Lord Shiva said, my dear Lord, my mind and consciousness are always fixed on your lotus feet, which as the source of all benediction and the fulfillment of all desires, are worshipped by all liberated great sages because your lotus feet are worthy of worship. With my mind fixed on your lotus feet, I'm no longer disturbed by persons who blaspheme me, claiming that my activities are not purified. I do not mind their accusations and I excuse them out of compassion, just as you exhibit compassion toward all living entities. Purport. Lord Shiva expresses herein his regret at having been angry and having disturbed the sacrificial activities of Daksha. King Daksha had insulted him in many ways, and thus he had become angry and had frustrated the entire sacrificial ceremony. Later, when he was pleased, the yagya performances were reinstituted and therefore he regretted his activities. 
Now he says that because his mind is fixed on the lotus feet of the Supreme Lord, Vishnu, he is no longer disturbed by the ordinary critics of his way of life. From this statement by Lord Shiva, it is understood that as long as one is on the material platform, one is affected by the three modes of material nature. As soon as one is in Krishna consciousness, however, one is no longer affected by such material activities. One should therefore always be fixed in Krishna consciousness, busy in the transcendental loving service of the Lord. It is guaranteed that such a devotee will never be affected by the actions and reactions of the three modes of material nature. This fact is also corroborated in Bhagavad Gita. Anyone who is fixed in the transcendental service of the Lord has surpassed all the material qualities and is situated in the status of Brahman realization in which one is not afflicted by hankering for material objects. The recommendation of the Srimad Bhagavatam is that one should always be Krishna conscious and should never forget his transcendental relationship with the Lord. This program has to be followed strictly by everyone. From the statement of Lord Shiva, it is understood that he was always in Krishna consciousness and thus he remained free from material affliction. The only remedy, therefore, is to continue Krishna consciousness rigidly in order to get out of the contamination of the material modes. Should the Prabhupada keep Om Ajnana Timarandasya Gananjana Shalakaya Chakshuran Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurve Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Dadati Svapadantikam Panchakalpa Trubhyascha Kripasindubhyevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadha Shri Vasari Gaura Bhaktivinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So good morning to everybody on this cold, snowy Tuesday morning. Um, I want to first ask for all of your blessings that I may be able to speak properly on our Gaudiya Vaishnav Siddhanta as handed down to us by Srila Prabhupada. And I sincerely pray that I may be of some service in saying something that encourages us and enthuses us in our devotional lives. So in today's prayer by Lord Shiva, he's discussing two things. First, he's discussing how his mind and consciousness are always fixed on the lotus feet of the Lord, of Krishna, of Vishnu. And the lotus feet are the source of all benediction, the fulfillment of all desires, and their being worshipped by all liberated great sages because the lotus feet are worthy of worship. So in the first part, he's glorifying the lotus feet of the Lord and 
revealing how his mind and consciousness are always fixed. And in the second part, he is talking about how because of this fixation of the Lord's lotus feet, he is no longer disturbed by Daksha. He's no longer disturbed by those, Prabhupada says, ordinary critics of his way of life. So in meditation on this verse, I was really thinking about how we talk about the lotus feet of God. And we talk about the lotus feet of devotees. And so it's always good to bring up why lotus feet? Why are we meditating on feet? And it's interesting. I was, I was looking up how somebody tried to scientifically show why in Vedic culture, juniors would bow down and touch the feet of their elders. And there's this whole thing about transferring of energy. When you bow down and you place your fingertips up to the lotus feet, their toes, there's a energy connection. So, but in essence, bowing down to the lotus feet or meditating on the lotus feet is a sign of humility. Right? We're placing ourselves under the shelter of the Lord's lotus feet. And in Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 7, Chapter 5, Texts 23 through 24, the great devotee saint Prahlad, he teaches all of us about the nine different processes of devotional service. And he says, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu Smaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmanivedanam. So there's nine activities that one can perform in devotional service, in bhakti yoga. And the first is Shravanam, hearing, Kirtanam, chanting. Um, so Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu Smaranam, remembering, Padasevanam, worshiping the lotus feet or serving the feet of the Lord. Archanam, worshiping the deity or the worshiping the Lord with paraphernalia. Vandanam, offering prayers. <coughs> Dasyam, being a servant of the Lord. Sakyam, being the best friend. Sakyam, Atmanivedanam. Then finally, giving everything to the Lord, surrendering, completely surrendering oneself to the Lord. So Padasevanam, I thought it'd really be nice to go over what Srila Prabhupada says about this service to the lotus feet of Krishna. So in the seventh canto, Srila Prabhupada states, according to one's taste and strength, hearing, chanting, and remembrance may be followed by padasevanam. One obtains the perfection of remembering when one constantly thinks of the lotus feet of the Lord. Being intensely attached to thinking of the Lord's lotus feet is called padasevanam. When one is particularly adherent to the process of padasevana, 
This process gradually includes other processes, such as seeing the form of the Lord, touching the form of the Lord, circumambulating the form or temple of the Lord, visiting such places as Jagannath Puri, Dwarka, Mathura, to see the Lord's form and bathing in the Ganges or Yamuna. Bathing in the Ganges and serving a pure Vaishnava are also known as Tadiya Upasanam. This is also Padasavanam. The word Tadiya means in relationship with the Lord. Service to the Vaishnava, Tulsi, Ganges, and Yamuna are included in Padasavanam. All these processes of Padasavanam help one advance in spiritual life very quickly. So in going to the temple or at home when we have the forms of the Lord before us, when we come before the transcendental forms of the Lord, we first meditate on the lotus feet of the Lord. And then we gradually go up to the smiling face. And this is even the process of approaching Srimad Bhagavatam. Right? Bhagavatam is non-different than Krishna. Bhagavatam is the literary incarnation of Krishna. And so the first canto, first and second canto, represent the lotus feet of the Lord. Then the calves, then up the thighs, and then all the way up to the 10th canto, which is the smiling face of the Lord. So in all our processes of devotional service, we're first approaching the lotus feet of the Lord. And even Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in his shikshastikam, in his eight instructions for us to really dive deep into our devotional service. When he, each shikshastikam verse represent, represents a certain aspect of the uh, platform of devotional service one is on. So adhao shraddha, tato sadhu sangha, bhajana kriya, tato narati navrittasat. So when in the fifth verse of the shikshastikam, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he's feeling great asakti, great attachment for the Lord. He's feeling such intense attachment for the Lord that he becomes completely humble. And what does he say? Ayinanda tanuja kinkaram patitamam ayinanda tanuja kinkaram patitamam vishame bhavam puro kripaya tavapada pankaja that, oh Lord, I've fallen into this ocean of birth and death. Please pick me up from this ocean of birth and death and Padapankaja, place me as one of the atoms at your lotus feet. So he's in this intense humility. He's wanting just to be an atom at the lotus feet of the Lord. And there's a very amazing purport in Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, tech, uh, Chapter 11, Text 26 that is just really amazing to really think about devotional service and how it's so connected to the lotus feet of Krishna and how our life and soul is the lotus feet of Krishna. So Srila Prabhupada, he states that the pure devotees are always hankering after the lotus feet of the Lord. The lotus has a kind of honey which is transcendentally relished by the devotees. They are like the bees who are always after the honey. 
Sridharupa Goswami, the great devotee Acharya of the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya, has sung a song about this lotus honey comparing himself to the bee. Sridharupa Goswami says, O oh my Lord Krishna, I beg to offer my prayers unto you. My mind is like a bee and it is after some honey. Kindly, therefore, give my bee mind a place at your lotus feet, which are the resources for all transcendental honey. Such a meditation. Resources for all transcendental honey. I know that even big demigods like Brahma do not see the rays of the nails of your lotus feet, even though they are engaged in deep meditation for years. Still, O oh infallible one, my ambition is such, for you are very merciful to your surrendered devotees. O oh Madhava, I know also that I have no genuine devotion for the service of your lotus feet, but because your lordship is inconceivably powerful, you can do what is impossible to be done. Your lotus feet can deride even the nectar of the heavenly kingdom, and therefore I'm very much attracted by them. O Supreme Eternal, please, therefore, let my mind be fixed at your lotus feet so that eternally I may be able to relish the taste of your transcendental service. The devotees are satisfied with being placed at the lotus feet of the Lord and have no ambition to see his all-beautiful face or aspire for the protection of the strong arms of the Lord. They are humbled by nature, and the Lord is always leaning towards such humble devotees. Such an amazing purport and meditation Srila Prabhupada is giving us in the very first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, that all the resources, transcendental honey, are at the lotus feet of the Lord. So this very deep meditation on the lotus feet of the Lord. It's the life and soul of the devotees. And devotional service means constantly meditating on the lotus feet of the Lord and placing oneself under the protection of the lotus feet. And so Lord Shiva, what is he saying? He's saying that because he's absorbed in the lotus feet of the Lord, which are worthy of worship, then he's beyond the modes of material nature. He's beyond the material afflictions of this world. And Srila Prabhupada, it's very interesting how he spends most of the purport talking about becoming free from the modes of material nature. So Bhagavad Gita also spends a huge amount of um, shlokas talking about the modes of material nature, particularly chapter four. And so the living entities, spirit souls, being parts and parcel of Krishna, being connected with Krishna, we are originally completely pure. Right? The soul actually has nothing to really do with this material world. But because of our free will, because of becoming conditioned by this material world, then we become, you could say, covered over by 
these material modes. And these material modes are called gunas. In Sanskrit, guna also means rope. So the living entity coming into this material world due to our free will of wanting to enjoy separately from spiritual reality, we come under the three modes of material nature and we come actually, we become bound up, like tied up. We become conditioned. And so the mode of goodness in chapter 14, text five, I mean, sorry, text six, it talks about the mode of goodness. Tatrasatvam nirmalatvat prakashakam anamayam sukhasangena badnati jnana sangena chanaga. That the mode of goodness is purer than the others, is illuminating, it frees one from all sinful reactions. Those situated in that mode become conditioned by a sense of happiness and knowledge. Those in the mode of passion, rajo ragatmikam, vidhi trishna sangha samudbhavam, tannabhadnati kaunteya karma sangena dehinam. The mode of passion is born of unlimited desires and longings, O son of Kunti. And because of this, the embodied living entity is bound to material fruit of actions. Finally, text eight, where it talks about the mode of ignorance, tamastva jnana jamvidhi mohanam sarva dehinam. Brahmadalasa nidrabhis tan nibanati bharata. O son of Bharat, know that the mode of darkness, born of ignorance, is the delusion of all embodied living entities. The results of this mode are madness, indolence, and sleep, which bind the conditioned soul. And Bhagavad Gita then goes on to talk about how there's different types of worshipers according to the three modes. There's certain types of foods that are goodness, passion, and ignorance. There's different kinds of happiness, goodness, passion, and ignorance. There's different kinds of knowledge, goodness, passion, and ignorance. And so Krishna, speaking this to Arjuna, we're able to actually understand the psychology of the living entity within this material world. <coughs> and we can recognize in ourselves what type of modes we're being bound up by. And Srila Prabhupada and the Acharyas and even Krishna states how goodness brings us to happiness, brings us to knowledge. But even then we use that as a springboard to go to transcendence because even goodness is goodness. Uh, the mode of goodness in this world is tainted by passion and ignorance. Bhagavad Gita states that the three modes of material nature, they're constantly trying to overtake each other. And so the living entity being bound up by these ropes of material nature, those who are in passion and ignorance, they almost seemingly have no free will they're completely absorbed in the objects of the senses. They're very much dirty into ignorance and sleep. And they're basically just, their consciousness is so shrunk down. Whereas in the mode of goodness, the consciousness actually becomes bright. You, you can actually become 
brilliant and full of knowledge when you're in the mode of goodness. But still, in the mode of goodness, one feels a superiority complex, right? Some of those that are in the mode of goodness, they start looking down upon those in the lower modes. They become very prideful and they even become bewildered by the mode of goodness. So at the end of chapter 14, Krishna says, Mam bhakti sevate that when one attains to this transcendental mode, right, Vishuddha Sattva, it's technically not a mode, it's transcendence, but this pure goodness, when one comes to this Brahma Bhutta platform, one is free from the three modes of material nature. And this is done by Bhakti Yoga. Krishna specifically says through Bhakti Yoga, one becomes free from the modes of material nature and transcends this world. And when one transcends, they Brahma Bhuta Prasannatma Nasochiti Nakankshati Samasarveshu Bhuteshu Mad Bhaktim Labhate Param When one attains to Bhakti and they rise, Prabhupada states in this purport today, that when one comes to the Brahman realization, one is not afflicted by hankering for material objects. So, nasochati nakankshati. When one becomes Brahman realized, when one becomes Brahma Bhutta, then they're completely peaceful. They're not lamenting and they're not hankering. Right in this world, because of being conditioned by the three modes of material nature, we think that we're this material body. We think that I am this body, and anything to do with this body is mine. The different objects, we're grasping at them. And especially when one is in the mode of passion, right? Trishna, there's an intense thirst for objects. And when we don't get those objects of pleasure, then what happens? We lament. So when we're bound up by the modes of material nature, our consciousness is just absorbed in matter and we're either hankering or lamenting. But Brahma Bhutta Prasannatma Nasochadinakanshati through Bhakti Yoga, then we become completely peaceful because we're no longer lamenting or hankering. Why? Because we're under the shelter of the lotus feet of the Lord. And I was, I, I actually just want to plug really quick. Uh, I recently got the um, deluxe, deluxe edition of Bhagavad Gita as it is. And most devotees see the orange Bhagavad Gita as it is that are being distributed. But I highly encourage every devotee that really wants to uh, really treasure Srila Prabhupada's books. BBT printed this amazing, amazing Bhagavad Gita as it is. It's got a little bit thicker pages and printing. And uh, yeah, it's just really beautiful Bhagavad Gita as it is. So this morning when I was really reflecting and meditating on this verse and how Lord Shiva, he's beyond the modes of material nature due to constant service to the lotus feet of the Lord. He's regretting being frustrated and angry due to the ordinary critics of his way of life, Daksha. 
and Srila Prabhupada talks about the only remedy, therefore, to get out of the three modes of material nature is to continue Krishna consciousness rigid, rigidly in order to get out of the contamination of the material modes. And so I was really thinking about, okay, we're, we're contaminated by these modes of nature. And because of that, we feel hankering, lamenting, anger, passion, envy. We feel all these intense emotions that really drag us down sometimes. And by practicing bhakti yoga, then we become purified. Sarvapati vanir muktam tatpadatvena nirmalam hrishikena hrishikesha sevanam bhakti uchate. We purify our consciousness through the chanting of Hare Krishna. We purify our consciousness by reading the Shastra. And so we become free from all this contamination of life after life after life, being in different modes, being in different bodies, and having all this baggage. And then even how we're disturbed when other people criticize us. We're disturbed when, you know, we're, we're spoken to in certain ways. And so we, all this like contamination within us. By Krishna consciousness, it starts coming out. So meditating on the lotus feet of the Lord, contamination, becoming free from that contamination. Uh, I was really meditating on the chastisement of Kaliya in the Srimad Bhagavatam. How Krishna, Supreme Personality of Godhead, God himself, he's in his transcendental abode of Vrindavan. And what does Krishna do? He goes to the cow pastures with the cows and the calves, the cowherd boys. They're playing, they're having so much fun. It's amazing transcendental joy that they're having. But one day, the cows and the cowherd boys being afflicted by the summer sun, they went to the river Yamuna, which is the transcendental river in Vrindavan. And they wanted to drink some water. And so they went to this hrada, this lake. And this lake had been contaminated by poison. There was this snake called Kaliya. He had a thousand hoods. And of his hoods, he had 101 main hoods and he was so poisonous he was so contaminated that the boys and the cows and the calves just by coming close to the water they fell unconscious because of the poison krishna immediately came and he mercifully glanced upon them and brought them back to consciousness and it stated that this lake this kaliya rada this lake of the serpent kaliya who has a thousand hoods it was so poisonous that if birds flew over, they would die because of the poisonous vapors in the air and they would fall into the lake. So Krishna understanding that Kaliya serpent was, he had contaminated this lake. He climbed upon this Kadamba tree and he slapped his arms like a wrestler, tightened his belt and he jumped into the lake. And when he jumped into this lake, it was such a cannonball effect that it says for a hundred yards, the water went upon the, shore, uh, upon the shore. And Krishna, he started trying to get the attention of Kaliya. So he started waving his arms in the water, moving his feet around. 
And Srila Sanatana Goswami says that as Krishna was doing this, he was creating amazing musical sounds in the water just by moving his limbs. And so Kaliya, serpent, came to Krishna and he was so disturbed that Krishna had entered into his lake that he went up and he bit Krishna on the chest and immediately wrapped Krishna up in his coils. And he started squeezing Krishna. Now, the rest of the residents of Vrindavan, they started seeing inauspicious omens around and they understood something is happening to Krishna. And so they all immediately followed Krishna's footprints. Right? This is the beauty of Vrindavan is Vrindavan, the most powerful object in Vrindavan is the dust because the dust has touched Krishna's lotus feet. And so they followed Krishna's footprints to the Kaliya Lake. And there, what did they see? They saw Krishna in the coils of Kaliya. They saw that their little boy was helpless. The young gopis, they were almost fainting looking at Krishna. The elder gopis, headed by Mother Yashoda, Yashoda was going to enter into the lake and the elder gopis had to stop Krishna, uh, stop Mother Yashoda from entering. Nanda Maharaj and the other coward men, they saw Krishna. We need to save our Krishna. So they were ready to just enter into the lake. Balaram had to stop them. All the residents of Vrindavan, they were just looking in intense emotion at their helpless Krishna. And Krishna was playing with Kaliya. He saw that they were distressed. So he immediately started expanding his body. And Kaliya couldn't hold on to Krishna. He was becoming tired and fatigued. And so Krishna escaped the coils <coughs> of Kaliya. And what did he do? He then jumped up. He pushed one of the hoods down of Kaliya. And he started dancing on Kaliya's heads. And Kaliya was so proud and he was so envious. He was full of contamination that his heads, they kept popping up and Krishna would push that down with his feet. He kept pushing the different hoods down with his feet. And Krishna's lotus feet became beautifully reddish because Kali had different jewels on his head. And as Krishna was dancing, what was he doing? He was pushing out the poison of Kaliya. Kaliya actually started vomiting blood and poison. Krishna was completely purifying Kaliya by dancing beautifully on his, on his heads. And just as Kaliya, all this poison, all this contamination was being pushed out by the lotus feet of the Lord, just before he was about to lose his life, the Nagapatnis, the wives of Kaliya, they came and offered prayers. Because the Nagapatnis, the wives of Kaliya, they were pure devotees. And so they saved their husband from death. And there's amazing prayers that they offer, but there's one purport that's really amazing that really ties everything in. Srila Prabhupada says that it is very rare for a conditioned soul to free himself from the contamination of illusion. So connecting today's purport with the modes of material nature, 
how we're contaminated by the different modes, we're bound by the different modes, we're in illusion, thinking that we're this gross material body. All these objects around us are for our senses to enjoy, hankering, lamentation, um, all these things going on. So Prabhupada says it's very rare for a conditioned soul to free himself from the contamination of illusion and thus become established in perfect consciousness of the absolute truth. And yet this benediction was achieved by the serpent Kaliya because the Lord personally danced upon the serpent's hoods with his lotus feet. Although we conditioned souls may not receive the mercy of having the Lord dance on our head, we can pray, but most of us will not receive the mercy of having the Lord dance on our head. We can receive the dust of the lotus feet of the absolute through the Lord's representative, the bona fide spiritual master, and thus go back home, back to Godhead, forever freed from the misery and ignorance of the mundane universe. So when we're chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. What's happening, maybe not to all of you, but to me, I have so many desires. I have so many lamentations. I have so many hankerings. Just like Kali has a thousand different heads, 101 are prominent. In my heart, there's so many desires. There's so many hankerings. There's so many lamentations, regrets, so many things that are going on in my heart. But by chanting, the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, we can have Krishna dance in our heart and push these different desires and hankerings and lamentations down. And we can purify ourselves by really focusing on the lotus feet of the Lord through devotional service. And so in this way, by Srila Prabhupada says, this program, what does he say? The recommendation of the Srimad Bhagavatam is that one should always be Krishna conscious and should never forget his transcendental relationship with the Lord. We all have a transcendental relationship with the Lord. And Krishna consciousness is all about purifying our heart and reestablishing that eternal relationship with the Lord. And he says that this program has to be followed strictly by everyone. From the statement of Lord Shiva, it is understood that he was always in Krishna consciousness and thus he remained free from material affliction. That he remained free from material affliction. The only remedy, therefore, is to continue Krishna consciousness rigidly in order to get out of the contamination of the material modes. And so... We all have a transcendental relationship with the Lord, just like Abai has the transcendental relationship with his rainbow-colored monkey that's on screen, <laughs> Jai Abai. So we have a transcendental relationship with the Lord, and that's going to be brought up by constantly thinking about the lotus feet of the Lord. And just as a uh, extra nectar on the meditation of Padasevana. There's a really amazing verse. I'll just close with these uh, two verses that really <coughs> show how powerful it is to meditate on the lotus feet of the absolute truth. Um, many devotees know that the nine islands of Navajweep represent the different 
nine processes of devotional service. So we can meditate on Koladweep. And there's a very amazing verse from Chaitanya Chandramata. states, as much as you surrender to the lotus feet of Garanga, you will find yourself safely in the service of Radha Govinda. Do not try to approach Radha Govinda directly, but the lotus feet of Garanga will take you there safely. When a fortunate soul feels devotion for Lord Gora's lotus feet, then the ne nectar ocean from Radha's lotus feet will suddenly flood his heart. And as not to go extremely esoteric, but sometimes it's nice to go into the esoteric realm. There's a amazing verse by Shiva Prabodhananda Saraswati. So meditating on the lotus feet of Lord Garanga will take you automatically to Radha Govinda. Prabodhananda Saraswati reveals that the gopis, when they're in the Ras Lila, with our necks embraced by the broad arms of Krishna, when will we see the excellent feet of our queen of Rasa at the astonishing Rasa dance with its sweet circle of gopis shining brightly with ankles, armlets, bells, and gems? So the even in the Ras Lila, which is the highest pastime in Srimad Bhagavatam, the gopis are just meditating on Srimati Radharani's lotus feet. They're not even seeing Krishna's face or even absorbed in the rest of the Ras Lila, but they're just looking at the lotus feet of Srimati Radharani. So, all glories to Shishiguru and Goranga. I'll stop here. If there's any questions, comments. Prabhu, Hare Krishna. Thank you for a nice class. Um, I was just thinking about what Shila Prabhupada said at the beginning of the purport um, about Lord Shiva feeling regret and remorse. You know? um, on one hand, we can understand being the chief, chief demigod and uh, such an exalted devotee is, it was this duty to punish Daksha um, to rectify the, uh, a very bad situation. Mm. But at the same time, you see that he, because he's a devotee, such an exalted devotee, he feels, he feels compassion and regret for displaying such anger and having to you know, cause the, mm. the deaths of other living beings. Eh? Mm. And it reminds me of um, King Yudhishthira. Eh? When I, I guess I think that was when he was speaking to Grandfather Bhishma after the Battle of Kurukshetra. Uh, he, although it was his duty as the ruler of the world at that time to punish the miscreants, in this case the Kauravas, and but because so many persons had to die. To, to, to carry out that just to carry out that to carry that um, <laughs> to rectify the situation and to, to 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 implement justice as a devotee he felt so many yes yeah, so many people have died and millions of soldiers 
that he felt he felt great emotion. So, so you could so I just thinking you could see that these great Sunday kings, you know, and devotees, even though they have to carry their duties, is not something that they they delight in when so many limanities are being killed, you know, although it is their duty. Mm. And I just compare that to this situation, present situation, where in you know United States, where you know like three hundred thousand people have died from, you know, and it seems like certain leaders, you know, they they not they don't display any, they don't seem to have any compunction or feel any remorse or feel any compassion in this situation. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's just something I, I'm thinking about, you know, the, with the devoted leaders and present leaders, you know, the Rajeshis yeah. and the present leaders. It's just a thought that came to my, to my mind. You know? yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's very powerful uh, reflection, Prabhu. Thank you. Anything else, or would anybody like to speak about that or different topic? Hi, Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you for the class. Uh, <clears throat> it's um, a special pastime because, uh, well, whatever Krishna does is artistic, and you know, the art of all arts, whatever he does. But the fact that in this pastime, Kaliya is not killed and, and Krishna exhibits, you know, the original fine art of dancing, <laughs> which is a little, seems like a, a little different style of <laughs> interacting with the, the demon. <laughs> And so uh, that's the mercy of the lotus feet. And uh, I, it was reminding me of how, um, you know, this is the movement of chanting and dancing um, to get the mercy of the lotus feet of the Lord. And so uh, one time, this was like back in the seventies, we came back from uh, Sankirtan and everybody was pretty tired, but uh, in those days when we were back early enough, it was required that you go, you know, to the evening program and you go to the RT. So some of us were, oh, you know, it's just, we're just too tired, too tired and not enough enthusiasm. And so then one of the devotee uh, leaders said, We'll just go, you know, move your feet, dance, and uh, see the deities, lotus feet, and and you will feel uh, some enthusiasm coming by that mercy. So you move your feet by the um, mercy of uh, Lord Chaitanya, and you will feel um, enlivened. So of course that's what happened. So the lotus feet of the Lord are encouraging us to, you know, dance with our feet. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing. 
Um, I have a great class, Prabhu. Um, did in the purport, I'm a little confused. At the beginning, Shiva um, is uh, re expressing remorse because he forgot the lotus feet of Krishna. And or I don't know if he forgot the lotus feet, but he became angry and uh, disrupted the sacrifice. But then later in the purport, it said, Prabhupada stresses that you one should never forget the lotus feet of Lord Krishna and always remain in Krishna consciousness. And he said that Lord Shiva always remained in Krishna consciousness. So I'm wondering is when Shiva got angry and disrupted the sacrifice by sending the demon there, did he, uh, was he not Krishna consciousness at that, Krishna conscious at that moment? Um, and did he, you know, remember the feet again? And in this purport, this, you know, verse kind of expressed remorse. So did he stop being Krishna consciousness when he sent the demon? And then did he become Krishna consciousness again once he remembered the lotus feet of the Lord? Yeah, it's a really nice question. <clears throat> I went back because I was thinking about that, how, you know, Srila Prabhupada in the purport says that um, the yagya performances were reinstituted and therefore he regretted his activities. Now he says that because his mind is fixed on the lotus feet of the Supreme Lord Vishnu, he is no longer disturbed by the ordinary critics of his way of life. So going back to uh, the previous chapters and looking up the different references, you know, Lord Shiva was originally meditating on Vishnu, on the lotus feet of Vishnu. And so that's why he did not stand up to honor Dakshas because he was in deep meditation on the lotus feet of Vishnu. And then even, you know, verses and purports, it talks about how Lord Shiva did not, um, he wasn't bothered by what Daksha was saying. But in the pastime, he sends Virabhadra. And even, even at the, the very beginning of that pastime, Lord Shiva sent his uh, associates with Sati to the Yajna. Sati then, you know, immolated herself in fire. And then to punish Daksha and to punish the other personalities that were there, he sent Virabhadra. And so afterwards, when Brahma, he goes to see Lord Shiva under that huge banyan tree that not even like birds were making a sound, Brahma and others, they offer prayers to Lord Shiva to pacify him because they feel that he was very angry. And actually, the Lord Shiva points out that, well, I'm just chastising them because as like a father. And Srila Prabhupada mentions that over and over in the purports. Lord Shiva was acting as like a father or a parental figure in chastising the children, is that you're doing it for their benefit. So in, in this, actually, um, in the Bhagavat Subodhini, it breaks down all these prayers. It actually, like the next verse, we'll talk about Brigamuni. So there's like a prayer to Lord Vishnu at the beginning. But then there's like a critique of Daksha and other personalities that are at the end of the prayer. And so in this, it's actually Lord Shiva's humility that's coming out. Coming out. And this is seen in um, <coughs> Shiva Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's common <coughs> commentary on this verse also. Sorry, I'm starting to like lose my voice. Is that um, 
this is Lord Shiva. He's just um, really reflecting on the compassion of the Lord and then thinking about his own activity. So just as Krishna Sharna Prabhu pointed out, that you have these great personalities who are performing a certain um, activity for the chastisement or the correction of others, and they feel regret about it due, due to their natural humility, and then reflecting on the lotus feet of the Lord and how compassionate the Lord is. So that's why the verse ends just as, just as you exhibit compassion toward all living entities. So it's just like Lord Shiva, prayerful mood of humility. Is that okay? Yeah, so if I understood that correctly, Lord Shiva had to do his duty of chastisement to Daksha, disrupt the sacrifice and give him a goat's head. But he still felt regret for that because of his humility. He didn't like that duty, kind of like Krishna Sharanan was mentioning. Got it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. All right. It's 901. Uh, Mother Rinda, were you going to say something or? I actually, I actually was going to um, ask about what um, Abe just asked about. Oh. Yeah, at that point, I was thinking of the same thing, that how interesting it is that he's saying, oh, I was conscious of you. Um, I was Krishna conscious. I'm, I feel not phased by criticism. But then he's also, he's also showing remorse. So it's interesting that like, it seems like he made a mistake, but he didn't make a mistake. It was, but he still felt regret for having to act. It's like, it just shows like he's, he, he prefers not to, but he has to do it sometimes. Yeah. So Granthara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai. Oh. Thank you all. I'm sorry. Yeah. Samir Prasprabhu wrote in the chat, he just asked if I could read it. On the point of continuing Krishna consciousness rigidly, um, Chaitanya Charita Amrita Madhili, the 19, 155, quote, the creeper greatly expands in the Goloka Vrindavan planet, and there it produces the fruit of love for Krishna. Although remaining in the material world, the gardener regularly sprinkles the creeper with the water of hearing and chanting. So from the purport one, one segment, it is not that at a certain stage one can stop chanting and hearing and become a mature devotee. If one stops, one certainly falls down from devotional service. Okay. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Sai. Nice to see you again. Thank you.